All right, everyone, welcome to another episode of Behind the Human. I'm your host, Mark Champagne, and it's my job to unpack the stories and mental fitness practices of people living at the top of their game personally and professionally. Today, I'm here speaking with co-founder and CEO of Vayner Speakers, Zach Nadler, who has built a career helping luminaries share their stories of impact and inspiration. With his longtime client and now partner, Gary Vaynerchuk, Zach founded Vayner Speakers in 2018, a speakers bureau for the modern event planner. Prior to Vayner Speakers, Zach spent over nine years serving as a leading agent in the speakers department at Creative Artists Agency, CAA, working with the world's most recognizable talent from entertainment, sports, business, and politics. He lives in New York City with his wife, daughter, their puppy, Lucy, and his hundreds of classic vinyl records. We will definitely get into that. (laughs) Zach, my man, welcome to the show. It's a pleasure to be here. Thanks for having me, Mark. Yeah, I can't wait, man. This is going to be a unique uh, conversation. I haven't had someone in your background on the show. So I'm, uh, I'm really excited to dive in. So thanks again. No, it's a pleasure. It's uh, not a lot of 12 year olds are like, I want to be a speaker's agent when I grow up. So, <laughs> yeah, fair. Uh, you know, we, we all we all wind up in here some one way or another. Totally. So we will, we're going to get into that. But you've listened to a couple episodes, so you probably know the opening question. And, and this is just avoid job titles and really try to understand who you are as a human. Uh, first question is just, you know, who are you? Like, well, how, what defines Zach? It's a great question. I, uh, you know, I think it, I like to think that it's still undefined, right? Oh, like like I'm, that. I'm really still on my journey here. You know, I consider myself somewhat young, even if I don't feel it that way every day uh, when I wake up in the morning. Um, but, you know, I've always been someone, you know, I, I kind of, th- there's the old joke, like uh, those who can't do teach, right? There's a lot of things I can't do, but I can, I can sell and I can represent people and I can advocate on their behalf. And so I've worked with some really fun people, some of the, you know, my, favorite celebrities and actors and things like that over the years. And I've always just been behind the scenes trying to help them do what they do and, and, you know, have a good time doing it. I love it. I love the, I love the comment around, you know, that, you know, you're still evolving or it's still playing out, you know, that journey. Mm-hmm. Cause I, I really believe like when, when someone a- answers the the question, who are you? I mean, it's like, who are you in the moment right now? I mean, That's right. If you're, yeah. if, if you're not evolving, I mean, what's the point? Oh, Absolutely. And I, and I think like I heard someone talking, uh, you know, I, I think there's some really interesting things that are happening uh, where you're never going to really be fully defined and you're always going to yeah. be changing. And you're, you're the things you do today are going to impact what you do later, which I love. Um, and I ca- try to kind of constantly push myself and kind of do new things, and keep open minded about it all. So, you know, if you're just like, all right, this is who I am. It's over. It's like, what's the point of, uh, of doing anything else? Yeah, totally. Before we get too far into it, let's talk about the vinyls. How do they how, how do they fit in? What what's the, what light what lights you up about the vinyls? So I uh, I mean you know I read something where like your musical taste is defined at like a certain age, right? It's like you're like mid teens and for whatever it was, like my dad listened to the classic rock station where I grew up, and like I always just listened to that stuff. And then as I got older, I wasn't really listening to like the music of today. I was always yeah. trying to figure out like, all right, I love Led Zeppelin. Well, who did Led Zeppelin like? Vanilla Fudge. I don't even know who Vanilla Fudge is. And I just would go <laughs> into it. And, I, you know, the vinyls actually started my roommate right out of college. He had his parents' vinyl collection. Uh, and it started there. We used to just listen to vinyl. And then I just started collecting it. The next thing I know, I'm like, you know, five, six hundred deep. 
Yeah, yeah. Uh, and now I'm like, like how that here. happened? <laughs> yeah, I was like, this wasn't the ex- expectation, but uh, there's certain things that I just can't listen to off of vinyl, right? It's just, if I'm going to listen to a certain song, a certain artist, it's like if I'm not listening to it on vinyl, it's just not happening. Um, yeah. But it's great. I love it. It's also it makes you get up and change the record. If there's a certain sound, a crispness to it, it's it's just been something fun. And it's also there's nothing like the feel of, uh, you know, going vinyl shopping and just flipping through all the records and hoping yeah. you find something because it's not like you're scrolling through CDs. You see all the, the covers, right? It's not like you're going online and just p- clicking on something and buying it. You got to hope that someone has that random vinyl that you don't have from 1963, right? Totally. So it's yeah, yeah. Of, it's been like probably my biggest kind of hobby the last couple of years. I, I mean, I didn't expect... I didn't plan that we're going to, we're going to go here with this, but I couldn't help but think like, as you're explaining that, I mean, the show's about mental fitness, obviously in the mind, like, I mean, that is that it, your vinyls in, in, in themselves are like kind of a practice of slowing down. Oh, yeah. and, right. And just being with it, being present and like the tactile nature of it. I mean, it's, it's really nice. I like that. Yeah. And I mean, I don't do so much anymore, but when I was younger, right, when I would be looking for vinyls, you know, you go out there and it's basically like the rarity, the, the harder it is to find, the more expensive it is. Like I'm not buying crazy expensive records. I really don't care what the casing looks like or anything, but sometimes if sure. there's not a lot of them, right, it's expensive. And I used to use it as like a reward mechanism, right? You do oh, something okay. big, right? I get a raise, a promotion, whatever it may be. Then I'm like, all right, I can go out and get that record that I've been keeping an eye on that I haven't bought yet. So I like it's it. kind of evolved my relationship with the records, but it's also, it's just a fun thing to collect and like pull out and like the nostalgia of it, right? Was it uh, that movie High Fidelity with John Cusack? Yeah. And my, my buddy Mikey will love this. He says, uh, you know, I, I organize my vinyls by autobiographical. Right. So it's not alphabetical. It's just based on how it makes you feel. And I feel like there's something to that. I mean, I'm definitely crazy about it and mine are alphabetical, but I (laughs) pull out certain vials at certain times to get a certain feeling and it completely like reframes your head, right? In your head space. And there's something to that for sure. Yeah. Well, I mean, music in general. I I was thinking about that today. I I threw on, uh, and I'm going to give away my age too. I threw on like a 90s playlist on Spotify and it's like, it just brings you right back to those (laughs) those years. Right. And I was just jamming. I was, I felt like I was in a flow state. It was, it was insane. Yeah. I mean, look, even my wife and I um, was one of the first things we bonded over. Like we have the same favorite band, which is like an obscure today, but like a band from the seventies that didn't last very long. And like, that was like the first thing we realized about each other. And like, we're still like, we bought a house up in Woodstock and that was where the band was recording albums. Right. Oh, so wow. like, we like, it's part of our life. And that was something that connected us really early on. It's just because I'm not listening to, you know, Nicki Minaj and whatever is, you know, popular yeah. today. I'm listening to stuff from the the 50s, 60s and 70s. And that's always how it's been. Love it. Well, before the listeners get confused on the topic <laughs> of this, of this podcast, I'm going to switch gears to, um, I just want to, you know, just to set the stage, like, what is it like to be an agent, you know, going back to when you started out? I mean, I just think of Jerry Maguire, obviously, uh, probably a lot of people do in in my demographic. Um, But yeah, why don't you just explain, you know, what it's like in present day, I guess. And, you know, what, what, what got you into that space? Yeah, you know, Jerry Maguire was like what it was in the very beginning. My mom used to tell people I was Jerry Maguire when I was like not even an agent yet. I'm um, just because I worked in sports. Um, then it was okay. like Ari Emanuel from, uh, or Ari Gold rather, who was based on Ari Emanuel from uh, Entourage, right? Okay. So like people have these kind of larger than life expectations, but ultimately an agent is just an advocate, right? It's yeah. someone who works on behalf of someone else, right? 
if you are an actor, right? You're on set all day. You can't be negotiating a film deal for your next movie. It just doesn't make sense. Why would you be doing that? That's not your skill set and you're busy yeah. doing other things. So I always joke, like you wouldn't ask your dentist to change your oil, right? May, they may be able to do it, but that doesn't necessarily mean it's a good idea. Yeah, so yeah. <laughs> it just kind of serve a purpose, right? We know the marketplace. We understand deals, deal structures. We understand value. Um, and we jump in the middle of these things. And again, right, those who can't do represent instead. So, yeah. you know, we really dive into it. And I think it, it was never something that I sought out to do, but I realized it was a skill set I had. So I, I kind of, you know, early on, uh, when I went to school for sports management and there were a lot of kids who wanted to be agents and we had a professor at the beginning of, uh, of our entire college career said, you know, if you want to be an agent, like take your college tuition and go find someone who's seven feet tall and just <laughs> wine and dine him until you guys are best friends. Cause that's I a better it. chance of being a success than going to school for it. And then like working at it. Now there's probably, I think there's one guy I went to school with who's another agent and it's a hard business to be in. I always joke. It's kind of like being a firefighter. Cause you're just constantly putting up fires, right? It's yeah. just problems, right? It's not like it's all just the fun of doing deals, right? Sure. The deals happen. And then it's figuring out how to keep those deals alive, make the next deals happen, keep everyone happy from your customers to your clients. Um, yeah. And it's, I mean, it's a lot of fun, right? It's a lot of yeah. fun with what goes on and you get to see a lot of different things. Uh, from my perspective, I've always loved it from a speaker standpoint because I've dealt with athletes, with entertainers, with pol politicians and chefs and entrepreneurs, like, it's when I was at CAA, I was booking like Pulitzer Prize winning theater writers and video game creators and Hollywood producers and cookbook authors. Like you name it, I was working with them. So it was so cool because every day was a little bit different. And now today yeah. we have, you know, a, a smaller roster than this place like CAA, right? We represent 18 people. Um, sure. And most of them kind of have a you know connection to the business world. But I still think it's fun because every one of them is different. They always have a different mm -hmm. skill set. They do different things. They bring different things to the table. And I just kind of like geek out. It's kind of like having 18 kids. When I'm talking to people about booking one of my clients, I like it to like, you know, just gush about all their successes. And yeah, yeah, you know, totally. The fun part is when you believe it and it works out well for them. And so it, it's a it's a wild, wild world. And I think it's something where most people who want to become agents don't really know how hard you know the work is. They think it's mm -hmm. just, you know, you know, fancy dinners and award shows. Um, but it's really, it's hard. And when you're young, you got to hustle, hustle, hustle to really get to a place where people are going to trust you to represent them anywhere in the marketplace. Well, that's what I wanted to ask you about. Cause I mean, not to say that like your job's not hard now and that you like <laughs> the back half of your, your years at CAA weren't hard, but I imagine it was different in the sense of yeah. like, to, to your point, like you're working with talent that, I mean, just dropping their name and what they're doing is, is attractive versus I imagine when you're first starting out, like to your point, you're, you, you're, you're building your, your credibility, right? Like it's, it's a pure sales job, right? hundred percent. And you're yeah. selling yourself on all sides of the, of the transaction. Yeah. Right? You got to sell yourself to clients. Like, let me represent you, right? You were like, as a client, it's like, okay, you have a value in a marketplace. Let me be the one to bring that value out. And sometimes they have other representation where they're like, no, this guy's been doing it for a while. Like, why would I go with you? And you have to build that credibility up mm -hmm. and it also can get eroded very quickly, right? You could do a bad deal for someone or um, you could do a deal that falls apart. Those things, it happens both directions. And I think uh, that's why it's so hard to start, right? You really have to sure. learn how to do it. And you also have to learn how to problem solve and how to fix the problems. And it's, 
it's not easy and it's you yeah. gotta have thick skin because like i definitely i've had my fair share of things that went wrong and you're i'm just sitting there going great I, i'm losing my job like this was fun <laughs> yeah that's right? it <laughs> <laughs> it was a good run while i had it um but you know eventually you kind of figure out what really are um you know fatal problems right what's going to really be the, sure. the problem when all is said and done um and i've always believed that kind of uh, I shouldn't say I always believe. I, I figured out pretty early on that the best way to go was be honest, transparent, and truthful about everything. And mm. more deals are going to get done that way, and less bad deals are going to get done when you're just trying to okay. hustle. And like you know, I was when I was a young agent, I just wanted to do any deal I could, and then deals would fall apart because like they never should have happened in the first place. Yeah, that's now, a good it's all lesson. About knowing yeah. your clients, it's about knowing the customers, making sure the marriage makes sense. Yeah, because I, you know, I think of that. It, it, it relates to not not just if you're first starting out like in your career, but I mean, even as you're shifting around in jobs and whatnot and brand new things where again, like you're, I think psychologically speaking, like we're trying to prove ourselves, we're trying to like show progress, whether that's to the people we're working with or just ourselves. And you like, you rush into these things, right? Absolutely. It's like you, you jump on it. So I'm curious, like, was there anything or, or any, I guess any, any mental hacks that you picked up along the way that allowed you to kind of slow that down a bit or step back and, and put in that pause? You know, it's a great question. Uh, I was almost going to ask you the same question of like, how does one <laughs> develop that confidence? Because it's it really is confidence, right? It's, it's understanding yeah. that you can get away with something. And I, I think, you know, I give credit to, to managers I've had over the years. And I think it often comes from above where you have to be, you have to have the, uh, confidence in yourself, but you have to have the belief that you're going to be protected so that mm. you can do things the right way. And gotcha. it's easy to um, pick up bad habits from people, see people who look successful and kind of steal the way they do it. And then no one wants to work with you, um, okay. you know, for a variety of reasons. Right. And I've always looked at it and I'm like, look, like if I just do it the right way, people are going to want to continue working with me. If, yeah. you know, I, I make deals happen and we don't have problems, I'm going to want to work with them again, too. And sure. I think it works both ways. And I don't know that there's a hack to it. I think it really is trusting yourself and hopefully someone giving you permission to do what you think is best. And, yeah. you know, it takes a long time to figure out what that is. And there's not really the shortcut to it, unfortunately. I think I think I think it really does come with just experience and getting the reps. And I, I'm a big believer in reps. Yeah, well, I was like, you know, you, you mentioned you're wondering what I would think on this one. And like, uh, so I, I've never been an agent, but I did start my corporate career in, in sales. And so I understand some of the, some of those pressures. Um, and then just, you know, unfortunately I didn't have all these practices that I, I do now or, or the knowledge, especially around mental fitness. And I, I feel like if I were to jump into something like that, I would, I'd put in the training, essentially the, the reps, but like the personal training, like before 9am or before 8am doing the work that I know will train my mind to see those moments to pause and not react and jump into what could be an attractive deal on the outside, mm -hmm. but, you know, get through the surface. And like, I think it's the same thing as, as a, as a, like an athlete doing physical work, right? It's like the more 100%. you, the, the more, the more training you put in, like it's at the event, then that training comes into play, right? It's the same thing with mental fitness. Yeah, no, I think that's an interesting idea. You know, I think there is a lot to that. You know, uh, I probably don't do it as much anymore, partially because I have a, a much smaller roster. 
Um, but I spent a ton of time early in my career getting to know so many clients at CAA that it became like yeah. a running joke. Like I knew everyone, I knew who, like all the details about them. And, you know, as a salesperson, because that's what agents really are, they're salespeople. Um, you know, I always looked at it and I said, it's not secrets that sell someone. It's just things people don't know, right? Mm. So you have to know more so that when somebody asks you, hey, you know, do you know anyone who can speak on X, Y, or Z or has a relationship to this or, or is from this area? You have to be able to recall that. And whether, like, yeah. look, I don't have the best memory, but if you're taking notes and if you're just doing it and taking the reps, eventually you just internalize the info. And I yeah. feel like that gives you the confidence when you're just like, you know what you're selling. And so yeah. that works if you're selling, you know, auto parts, right? If you know everything that there is to know when somebody asks you like, oh, I didn't realize this was going to come in handy today, but here it is. Mm -hmm. That helps. And I think that's kind of what gave me the confidence to go out there and do it um, and, and believe that like I was going to be successful. But then it's also it reinforced when you work with someone, they book a client from you. And then they come back to you because they're like, that went so well, like everything you said happened. And like, that's like the best satisfaction you can get. And it's like, great. Now I really, I'm invested in this relationship. Let's make sure yeah. it lasts forever. And I still got yeah. a lot of those relationships. Yeah, that's, I mean, that's where, uh, that's where the money is. I mean, and I'm not talking about financial, but like just the experience, right? Like that's, that's yeah. the stuff that lights you up. And, and I feel like moments like that too, is like, those are the things if you can pull those out of the pocket or the bag when you're going through something that's shitty, let's say, or something's not going well, like just to remind yourself of, all right, like this is just a moment in time type thing. Everything's in permanent. Um, I, this is possible to navigate through, right? Like I've done this before. There's a guy I was, uh, you might, might be familiar with him. Uh, he's done quite a bit of speaking, Ben Nimpton. Not familiar with um, him now. He, um, him, him and a couple buddies back, I don't know, maybe 10 years ago now, they had a show on MTV called The Bucket List. Okay. And their whole thing was they they got together. Ben was actually severely depressed, was like dro dropped out of college, like basically wasn't able to make decisions for, for himself. It was getting really bad. And his, his friends kind of pulled him out of there and, and they created this bucket list, like a, a list of 100 things that they wanted to do before they die. And like this you've probably seen, like they played... <laughs> they played basketball with president Obama. Yeah. They wanted to get on Oprah. Like it was those guys. They went to streak at a, a baseball game. Like there's crazy <laughs> stuff in there as well. But anyway, all to say, like I, I had interviewed him and he he's in the book as well. And he was just talking about like experience stacking, mm -hmm. you know, and he was thinking of the next big thing that was, I think he was asked to give a commencement speech or something at one point. He's like, I don't want to do that. Like internally. Right. Like I, I went to that school. I mean, what? Are, uh, there's just too much pressure. But then he recalled like, well, it can't be any worse than streaking in front of 30,000 people, <laughs> right? Like, and just like, there's just humor to that, but it actually works when you start, like take the time to, to go back and remember shit. Like I did a lot of things that at the time didn't, I had no idea if that was going to work out. Right. But I did it. Yeah. I got through it and you can pull those back and stack them up and, and build that confidence that you're talking about. Hello friends, I've got something for you that I've personally seen and continue to see the benefits from in my sleep and mood. So let me ask you a question. Have you ever had your mind race with anxious thoughts when you lie down to fall asleep or those thoughts are the first thing you think about when waking up? Please tell me I'm not the only one because I'd like to think that I'm human like the rest of you. But I am happy to say that not only has my sleep improved, but those looping thoughts have almost completely vanished since I started taking 
two capsules of magnesium breakthrough by bioptimizers before going to bed. As it turns out, magnesium is extremely important for mental and neurological health. Studies have shown that magnesium deficiency causes animals to be stressed and anxious, and in humans, a low magnesium diet is associated with anxiety and depression. Now you might be taking magnesium already, and so was I, but here's what I didn't know. There are actually seven unique forms of magnesium, and you must get all of them if you want to experience its calming and sleep-enhancing effects. That's why I am pumped and highly recommend Magnesium Breakthrough. And of course, I'd like to thank the team over at Bioptimizers for supporting this episode and improving my sleep and mental health, and hopefully yours as well. So to save 10% when you try Magnesium Breakthrough, use the code BEHINDTHEHUMAN10 over at magbreakthrough.com slash behindthehuman. All of this is in the show notes. I'm serious. This stuff is the real deal. So message me after you try it because I'd love to hear about your results. Now back to the show. Yeah, I, I love that concept. It's it's similar to uh, one of my clients, Jesse Itzler, has this idea yeah. of build your life resume, right? It's yeah. not about your paper resume. It's building your life resume. What are you doing that a year from now you're going to look back and be like, that was awesome. I'm glad I did that. I'm glad I learned yeah. that. I'm glad I went there. I'm glad I did that with that person. Uh, and there's something totally to the life experience. And, uh, you know, sometimes you do that stuff and you know, it's going to be hard. Sometimes you think it's going to be easy and it's hard. Right. But that's yeah. why you got to just do it. And I'm a, I'm a full believer in that stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Well, let's talk about doing it. I mean, okay. So you're at CEA, you're, you're rocking it. You're crushing it over there. Things are going well. Um, Gary is one of your clients from what I understand over there. What, I guess what questions or what were you thinking about to shift out of that that space and then jump in as CEO and co-founder of of Vayner Speakers? I mean, that seems yeah. like a shift. <laughs> it was not not the easiest decision at first, but once I made the decision, it, it felt really easy. Um, you know, obviously, okay. I was at CA for nine plus years, right? Yeah, I think you know you get comfortable at a place, and I still yeah. have close relationships over there. I still talk to a ton of people. Over there. I'm going to a wedding next month of someone at CIA that uh, I was actually with the day after my last day at CIA. We were went on vacation together, uh, but you know, it it's hard to leave a place like that. But that's just yeah. the personal side of it. The professional yeah. side of it was I was doing really well, right? I was working with you know. Joe Biden before he was president, Joe Biden, right? Yeah. I was working with, you know, A-list actors and, uh, and actresses and directors and Paul and you name it, right? Like I was working with them and I had been there so long that I had a lot of, you know, reputation and credibility within the agency. Um, but that was also what gave me the confidence to think I could do what I'm doing now. And, you know, if you know, Gary Vaynerchuk, he's a hard guy to say no to. Um, I kept him at bay for a couple of years and eventually it was like, no, I, I <laughs> guess I'm going to have to do this. Yeah. He kind of made it a too hard to say no, but it was also, you know, I think it was also a lot of timing, right? If right. There, there were different times, you know, CIA asked me to move to LA a couple of times and I was in New York and I said, no, it's not right for me personally, right? It's not right for me professionally. With yeah. Gary, it was the same thing. It was like, there's a time where it makes sense. And the time was, was when I left in, in 2018 uh, and launched the company because you know, at CAA, great people, great clients, great work that I did, um, a lot of bureaucracy that I wanted to work around. And mm -hmm. now we have the ability to do things a lot differently because um, we're not a huge agency, right? We get to yeah. be nimble and, and flexible and, and malleable with all of our um, decision making. 
And that was something that drew me towards it, right? Building something the way I want to see it built, um, doing it the right way, working with clients I want to work with. And thankfully, it's been successful. And and we work with some really terrific people across the board. We've had way more success than I anticipated out of the gate. Um, And it's been a ton of fun. I also kind of like wanted the challenge, right? Like you do something for nine plus years somewhere. I'm not going to say it was easy by any means, but like you get into a groove where you're just like, I'm cooking, right? I can do this. But starting a company from scratch was hard. And I had never done that. Like, you know, I came to CAA, the company had been around for 40 years, right? (laughs) We're now, you know, three years into business and half of it's been in a global pandemic and never predicted that. And we've been, we're still here. We're, we're, we're killing it. So like, I think it was something where I kind of wanted to put the challenge and, and, and take it on myself and figure out, is this something that I have inside me? Um, and you know, Mm. Gary believed in me. We, we think really alike in a lot of the ways we do business, a lot of the ways we treat sales and, uh, customer service. And, uh, it's been a lot of fun and it's kind of everything I hoped it would be. Uh, and thankfully we're still cooking. We're, We're doing really well. For sure. Do you remember just like practically speaking when you were, you know, like right before you made the decision, like how, cause you know, everyone goes through big decisions like this at one point in their life, or is it like, uh, pros and cons list? Was it like long walks? Or was it, you know, chats with the wife? Like how, how did you do it? Like what, what yeah, helped? I you guess know, I, uh, I used to be a huge pros and cons list guy back in like college, but whatever reason that kind of faded out. And I actually met my wife the month I started the business. So, you know, okay. yeah. So that was a, a fun, uh, timing of it. She got to see me at like my craziest and it was like, well, you yeah, take no this. Kidding. It's only going to get better. Uh, but you know, it, it's, it was a really tough thing. You know, I think we all have our, our mentors or our friends. And, and one of my clients, Swan Sit, refers to these people as friend tours, right? Friends mm. that you can go to for decision making. And I talk to plenty of people, but at the same time, you can't talk to everyone, right? <laughs> like my mentors were my boss, right? Like I, yeah. I was, I was like my, some of my closest friends were colleagues. I'm going to be like, I'm thinking about leaving, right? It doesn't <laughs> what really do work that yeah. way. So I think it was tricky in that regard, but you know, I leaned a lot on, on family and friends and ultimately, um, I had to trust myself and it was a lot of like internalizing that. Um, I won't say I was taking long walks, um, but there were probably more moments of like quiet solitude than I've had since sure. then. Like just like sitting with my thoughts and thinking through like, what happens if I do this? What's the worst that could happen? What's the best thing that could happen? Like, yeah. am I really ready to leave this? Like, and when you think through all of those things, you know, I, I think you, you kind of just like come to the conclusion on your, on, you know, on your own, right? Like you just kind of yeah. start thinking like, okay, well, I'm talking my, I'm trying to talk myself into it or out of it, but like, it sounds like I've already made the decision and yeah, it yeah. wasn't that hard once I really thought about it. And I was like, you know what, this is just too cool of an opportunity to pass up. Um, mm-hmm. here's a great guy. He's one of the, the nicest people I know. He's been someone I've known for, uh, 12 years this month. I started working with him and, wow. uh, it's been a lot of fun. And I also think like watching him grow as an entrepreneur and as a person over the last 12 years gave me this like ultimate courage that like, I've got him in my corner. Like it can't go wrong. And yeah, totally. it was, uh, it was not, it wasn't easy when I, I first started thinking it through, but the more Gary and I talked, it was more just like, yeah, like we could do this. We can kill it. We can disrupt this business in a, a way that hasn't been done in 50 years. Yeah. Well, I mean, it, it strikes me that, you know, that obviously Gary, he planted the seed kind of years in advance and like you started thinking about it and he, like, it seems like you just didn't rush into it, right? Like you, it, it was on your mind and you gave it some good thought and 
pulled in the people that you trust that that you could speak with and follow the signs essentially yeah right well, and i think there's something to that too as you say that i'm th- i'm thinking about it myself cuz i hadn't spent a lot of time thinking about that that time but when gary and i first talked about the even the idea of it right when he planted the seed dropped the kernel like it was really something where i was like no and the fact that I was so quick to say no, I was like, I don't think I was ready personally or professionally. And I think it probably would have been a disaster if we started then. And okay. I think because I knew it was such a, it was a no then, I think it allowed me to know when it was a yes. Because oh. I think I knew that like I had grown, I was in a place where I could take this on because, you know, I was at a certain point in my career where I knew what I was doing. And I, I think I, I probably, I shouldn't say it would have been a disaster, but I probably was not as prepared and sure. wasn't ready to put the time in, right? Like, you know, when we yeah. launched the company, I'm in the office till 11 o'clock at night every day for like the first, you know, couple months. I'm working weekends and I'm trying to like get stuff off the ground. Like, yeah. I don't think I was ready mentally to do that stuff when we first started talking about it. But at the time when he first started talking, it was kind of just like a, no way, like it's not going to happen. But I think, you know, you really have to kind of, you know, there's a whole thing of, you know, burning your boats right? Taking a leap of yeah, faith. Yeah. <laughs> but at the same time, like you, it's, you can't do it blindly. You have to go into it with a sense of what's really going to happen. And, and I, and I prepared for what this means and you got to ask those sure. questions and you can ask as many people as you want. Um, if you got the right people in your corner, everyone's going to be supportive of you, right? Mm-hmm. There are going to be some naysayers. Uh, I had plenty of people who were like, that's a crazy idea. This Gary guy is wild. Like, why would you get into business with him? Um, but you know, I think you need both sides of that coin, but ultimately it's your decision. You're the one who's going to live with it, right? If you're, you know, married, if, you know, if you're, uh, if you got a significant other, it's going to affect other people. So it becomes a joint decision. But ultimately, if you're not, if you're not ready to take it on yourself, you can't expect other people to, to get you there. Sure. Well, and that's why I'm asking these questions. I, I really don't think there's a prescription to any of this stuff. Like, totally. but there are ideas and nuggets that you can pull from other people's stories and journeys that like, oh, okay, that, that resonates. Like that's something I can see myself doing, or that's what I needed to hear. I need to talk to so-and-so. And And I I feel like that's, as long as people can be open to that. I mean, it's, it's, I've used that myself uh, and it's, it's worked out and it's just to your point, like we're all our own people, right? So it's just like follow, follow what feels right. And, you know, if you've got the support system around you, then, you know, they can build you up, give you the courage to take that step. Yeah. And I think there's something to that. I mean, you know, I'm trying to think back, like when I was talking to a lot of my friends, you know, most, if I, when I mentioned it, they were just like, that's awesome. Right. And I think there's something to keeping it conversational uh, about not really going into it saying like, I'm thinking about this or, or I could do that, but kind of going into it with, with the mindset of like, if you're there talking about it with other people, like you're going into it. And when Mm. they get excited about it for you, it, it kind of boosts yourself up right? It gets you thinking like, yeah, you're right. This is pretty awesome. And it's not always right. Like I'm lucky, right? My story was I was successful in my job. I had a good career. You know, my life was doing like my personal life was fine. And this opportunity came along. That's usually not the case, right? I like, I listen to your podcast. I listen to plenty of podcasts. You hear people, well, everything was terrible, right? My health (laughs) problems, my career was falling apart. My personal life was a shit show. It's like I had all these situations and I, I figured out this one thing that, that changed everything. I didn't have that kind of moment, right? It was more, 
um, a collective series of, of, of situations and of, of moments that got me thinking differently and kind of excited about the opportunity because I was successful, but I also thought there was more. And I've always been an ambitious guy. I don't think there's a, you settle and you're like, great, I made it, right? There's always mm-hmm. more to be out there. Um, and that's really what pushed me to kind of go towards this, uh, um, you know, this new venture. Yeah. I mean, it resonates with that one. Like the part of the beginning, we were talking about this earlier, but like my, some of my personal story when I was in the corporate world, I mean, I didn't leave, I, I didn't leave that job to start that, the, the wellness app because I couldn't stand going into work. Like I, things were awesome. The team was great. Like managing hundred million dollar brands. Like the next steps were like moves to Switzerland mm-hmm. and global positions. But for me, it was, there was this feeling of regret if I would not, you know, had I not tried this, this scratch your own itch kind of scenario and, yeah. and attempt this app and that business. And, uh, even despite how it turned out, uh, you know, given it financially failed, it like it succeeded in so many different ways. Like, even part of that is, you know, the fact that you and I are, are chatting and this podcast exists in the book and, and like this, the fact I get to speak about this stuff, like this is the stuff that really lights me up. So, but I see the other side because like now I'm transitioning out of that app business and it like, I am in that like <laughs> lost kind of everything and hit the rock bottom to pull out. So I've seen both sides. And I mean, I think there's, there's benefit to both, right? Absolutely. Just yeah. I trust the, trust the journey. All right. Hello friends. I have something to admit to you all. I am no longer recording this show out of my mini Cooper and surprise if you didn't know that. Thanks to the awesome humans over at Loop Phone Booths, I'm recording two podcasts in their flex booth at home. I'm also recording my audiobook, Personal Socrates, in this booth while my five-year-old is running around downstairs screaming, being a five-year-old. The booth rocks. So if you're looking for a space to take calls, record in, or just find a little quiet in your day, check them out. They're over at loopphonebooths.com. Now back to the show. I, I had a professor who, who early on in my uh, my college career kind of drew out this map and it was like, you know, if you take this job, well, then you can take this job or that job. It's like, but if you don't like it, you don't get to go back to the beginning, right? You're already here. Yeah. Right? Like Jesse yeah. Etzer talks about the bus ride, like the bus just keeps moving, right? Yeah. I love these, these ideas because it's just like what you did is part of who you are. And I when I yeah. talk to like, you know, interns or young people, I love to remind them like, you're so young, you're going to get a job that you hate. It's guaranteed, right? Yeah. And if you get a job you love, well, you're lucky, but you better be good at it because you may not have that job long term. And yeah. it's all about just kind of realizing that everything you're doing now is going to be something that benefits you down the road. I look at it and every time something goes wrong, it's like, great, why did that go wrong? Let's diagnose the problem. Let's move on. And then let's remember it next time around because yeah. those kind of things will last with you. So, you know, you got to look at every failure as, uh, an opportunity to learn, which is super cliched, but at the same yeah. token, it's so true. It's, it's real. Yeah, yeah, it's true. And the other thing like th- that I've learned in this too, is just like, enjoy that moment, you know, like even, even for yourself when you're like, you're busting your ass to get that company started. I mean, it's the first time it's, it's the only time you're going to launch a brand new company like that. I hope so. Ever. <laughs> right. I mean, you, you might launch other things and other, and be, you know, other companies, but it's not going to be that exact scenario yeah. is, is kind of is my point. So it's like, enjoy that, right? Like, don't let that pass by 
for whatever stress that comes with it as well. Yeah. And I think um, it's too, it's, you know, everything you're going to do has stress. If you're not stressed out, like you're not pushing yourself. Right. And I don't yeah. mean you have to push yourself to the brink of exhaustion, sleep yeah, of five course. hour days. But if you're not, you know, nervous, anxious, like excited about what's possible, yeah. it's like, okay, so now you're just, you're just, you know, doing your motions, right? You're, yeah, you're, you're an autopilot. It, there's totally. no fun in that. And like, look, not everyone is built for it. But I think a lot of people who have big ambitions and want to get out there and do big things, like you got to be willing, the bigger the risk you take, the bigger the sacrifice, the bigger success or failure. And it goes yeah. both ways. Yeah, totally. Um, you mentioned a couple of the clients, Jesse being uh, one. We talked a little bit about Ryan Holiday. Gary, I think, is one of, mm-hmm. ironically, one of your biggest clients <laughs> in, in his own company. Um, I'm curious, just, you know, it doesn't have to be any of these clients. You don't have to name names. But just over the years, like, what are some of the key nuggets that that you've picked up? Like, from a, whether it's a personal development standpoint or just, like, some of the men- mental self-talk that, you know, some of these people... Yeah. Uh, have shared, right? That like really landed with you. There's so much. I mean, it's, you know, it, it's funny to me because in my business, you know, I talk to people who are spending their days or, or their, their kind of, you know, leisure hours watching TED Talks and, and, you know, going to events and things like that. I get it. Do I get paid to do that? Right. So I've seen some of the biggest speakers in the world give their speeches and heard yeah. some like crazy actors and luminaries from all across entertainment, people I grew up loving. Right. And I always pick stuff up and I try to just be a sponge with that stuff. Um, yeah. You know, Ryan, I think has probably been the most impactful to me in the last couple years. Um, okay. The way he approaches problem solving, the way he approaches, um, you know, difficult times is something that I really, really, you know, appreciate now. Um, and I try yeah. and do the same thing, right? If there's a problem, rather than beating my head against the wall saying like, why can't we figure this problem out? It's I take a step back now. I'm like, okay, what's really the problem, right? What's really going to be, you know, the thing that we have to solve for, right? If we're trying to figure out this one solution, it's more like, okay, is there a different solution that's going to solve this, right? Let's Mm -hmm. step, let's do something totally different. Um, There are things at the same token, like listening to like Biz Stone talk about Twitter. He's one of the co-founders of Twitter. Listening to Biz talk about Twitter back in 2010 was fascinating for me and turned on a lot of lights for me about Twitter as a cocktail party right? Of you can have an account, you don't have to tweet. And that was, you know, this is the time where people are like, why is Ashton Kutcher tweeting about his breakfast? Right? Yeah, and yeah. Well, I remember those days. <laughs> there's so much to it, right? And I think that I've learned so much. Gary, obviously, I've grown super close with, there's a lot of stuff that Gary talks about that I've internalized over the years. And, and I think yeah. he is so authentic and true to himself. Um, that I really believe there's a lot of people I've worked with who, um, you know, a lot of chefs who are super creative, and mm. have such a joy to the way they do things. And it's it's hard not to appreciate that and let it rub off on you a little bit. So sure. I, I've tried to pick up stuff from everyone. And I think I always say too, I get to experience all this stuff from all of my clients, from all the people I've worked with. And I haven't done those things, right? I haven't won the US Open um, or been to outer space. Um, I haven't held a government office or hit a home run. But like I hear these stories from people and Fortunately or unfortunately, I've heard them so many times and now I know them. So they're <laughs> yeah, not yeah. my stories, but they, I have an emotional connection to them. So just like the records I listen to, when I see someone, I hear a story, I hear a reference to someone, there's like an emotional part of me because I've, I've learned something from these people. And I don't get to use all that information, but it's, it's things that I take with me everywhere I go. For sure. 
So cool. I mean, selfishly, I do that with this podcast as well. I mean, it's <laughs> one, one big, I mean, I do my best, obviously, to give back for the listeners and like the, the various projects I'm working on. But I mean, that's what lights me up. I get to speak to, to all of you guys and just learn and, and see so many different perspectives of the world and business and, and, and life in general. So it's, it's, uh, it's fascinating. Um, just in, starting to wrap up, because I want to respect your time. Some of the practices you have personally, like what are some rituals or I guess I can phrase it up as non-negotiables, let's say, in your life for your, uh, you know, let's just say health and performance, whether that's physical, mental, you know, what are what are some of the things that? Yeah, uh, I would say my physical health probably isn't where it should be right now. Um, so okay. I don't have a ton of non-negotiables there these days. Uh, I've, got <laughs> eight, negotiable. <laughs> I've got an 18 month old who was born five days before New York city shut down for the pandemic. Yeah. So, uh, it's a little bit off of where I normally would be. Um, sure. but like, I, I believe in, in responding to everyone on email, right? I, unless if you're going to solicit, uh, email me blast, like I'm not going to respond to that, but if yeah. you email me, I'm responding. And right? if you're calling yeah. me up my name, I get back to you. And that's on all social media platforms on uh, on every email. And I, I take pride in that stuff because I think that's important. Um, I, when it comes to like my mental health, um, I like to slow down when I, things are getting really crazy, right? Just take a step away. So if that's getting up from the computer, going to the kitchen, grabbing a snack, just like literally yeah. just taking a step away. Um, how do you then, know? How do you know when like, oh. is, is it a physical reaction or? I think it's, it's, uh, I don't know. It's a good question. I feel like you just, you know, when you've hit a limit or when um, like I'm constantly telling my team, they hate this because I hear it so often, but how do you eat an elephant, right? One bite at a time. And yeah. I wholly believe that like as an agent, like my inbox is always full. I wake up every day with tons of emails from overnight. Um, and yeah. I'm, if I wake up at two o'clock in the morning, I'll grab my phone to do something, which is not good for me. But at the end of the day, like I know it's always happening and it gets to a point where sometimes you're just like, Oh God, I need like I can't get all this done. And you're, then I'm like, I sit back and I'm like, yeah, I can. I've done it before, but it's just like, all right, take a break. And it's not yeah. like I need to walk around the block or anything. Although I sometimes do that with my dog, but you know, yeah. just being able to step away, lets you just like freshen up and come back with a fresh head. And I do the same thing with emails, right? If I have a very important email, I will literally write the whole email and then sometimes delete the whole thing and start over. Yeah. Or I'll yeah. write something. If I'm angry, I'll definitely do it. I'll write the whole thing and I delete it. And then I definitely start over because I think you don't always get it out the first time, but you need yeah. that kind of mental break to be able to look at it and say like, oh, well, that doesn't really say what I mean or things like that. So I kind of try to take that approach with everything I do um, so yeah, that I can be thoughtful like about it. I'm, I believe in response and response time, but it doesn't, it doesn't do anyone any good if you're just, you know, just doing it for the sake of doing it. Totally. Well, I can attest to your email response. I appreciated that you were <laughs> definitely on the game with that. So thank you for uh, thank you for the replies. No, of course, it's been a pleasure. I, I really appreciate you even asking me to be on here. It's a lot of fun. Oh yeah, I mean, I'm learning a ton. I mean, I'm sure listeners are as well. It's just a, it, again, it's just a different perspective, and it's uh, it's helpful. There's there's nuggets here for all aspects of life, no matter what you're doing. So I appreciate that. Um, last question for you, sir. What makes you smile each day? Wow. Uh, the last 18 months, like I said, I, I had a daughter right at the beginning of the pandemic. So pretty much every day she figures out something goofy to do that gets me to smile. Um, yeah. And that's right now what lights up my life. You know, my dog also is just a, a goofball. So uh, it's been a blessing being at home. You know, unfortunately, it's under these circumstances. 
Uh, but yeah. these days, those two are just constantly keeping me smiling. Yeah, those uh, those mini humans, they uh, <laughs> they definitely have a way to the heart, right? Oh, yeah. Amazing. Well, Zach, again, thank you for your time. A thanks from me, but a thanks from everyone listening. And just, you know, like for you dedicating your energy to helping people that are doing really great work in this world and putting out awesome messages. I mean, you have a huge role in, in, in playing to get that message out, which... I imagine is has saved lives, changed lives, and and made people just a hell of a lot happier and, and, and inspired and motivated to do the things that they want to do in life. So thanks for that, man. I appreciate that. You know, I like to think that I help people do the things they want to do um, by yeah. by doing things like speaking allows them the opportunity to do the other stuff, um, and that's maybe true in some instances more than others. Um, but the fact that people get enjoyment and at the end of every speech you hear applause. Uh, you know that people are enjoying it. That's all that matters to me. Amazing. 